This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. Good evening, everyone. Well, very happy to be back with my Talmidim, Baruch Hashem. Anyway, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to start off this week's Pasha. This week's Pasha's Pasha is Tetzaveh. What is special about Pasha's Tetzaveh? Besides that, it talks about the big day kahuna. It talks about the clothing that the Kahanim, that the Kahanim used to wear. We know, everyone here knows that a Pashat Tetzava, whose name isn't mentioned? Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. It's one of the Pashas since Moshe Rabbeinu was born. His name is mentioned in every Pasha from, Sh- from Shemos on. Of course, it's not mentioned in Sorry, in because he wasn't born yet. But since he was born, this was a Pasha where he was left out on purpose. Why was he left out on purpose? So we've spoken about this many times, that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Google of Noach. And um, he came back. What did Noach do wrong? Noach saves his family, his children, his his um, his wife and his daughters, but he didn't save the world. And that was what he did wrong. Hashem told him to go into the teva and to save his family, and he he didn't say, "I'm not going into the teva unless you save the whole world." He didn't stand up for the whole world. He said, "Okay, I'll try. I'll, I'll do it slowly, and maybe someone will do tshuva." But he didn't get up and say. It's all of us or none of us. And really, I saw it brought down that had he said that, the world would have been saved. He could have saved the whole world. Had he turned to Hashem and said, all of us are none of us, right? I'm gonna, if they're going to die, I'm not going into the Teva. I'm dying with the rest of the world. I saw it, I think it was a Medrash, but I saw it, I actually saw it, which said he could have saved the whole world. It was a Medrash, Noach, I think. So he could have saved the whole world, but he saved himself. So that was the Taina against Noach, and that's why says that the Deirasov in his generation, he was, you know, that it would have been in Avraham Avinu's generation because Avraham Avinu was into saving the whole generation. So, so that was his Avera, sort of. I'm not going to call it an Avera, but on his level. So he came back in the Gilgul of Moshe Rabbeinu, it says. And um, one of the proofs of that was that when we spoke about this, that when his mother put him in the basket... It should have said that she put him in a basket as a tenna. It should have said that she put him in a, in a tenna, in a basket. Cause that's really what he was in. But that's not what it says. A tikach lo, tevas gomer. She took a teva. It wasn't a teva. It wasn't a boat. It was a basket. Right? It was called a teva because Moshe was Noach. Noach was put in a teva. Came back in a Gilgal. The baby that was the same Gilgal also gets put in the table because we know that when a person comes back in Gilgal, he has to be in the same situation, the same thing. So Noach was in the table, Moshe Rabbeinu was in the table, same same deal. And um, interesting, I didn't see this, but maybe it's just a thought that that um, Noach was connected to, of course, the rain, the water, right? The rain for forty days. Moshe Rabbeinu was also very connected to the water. He hit the water instead of spoke to the water. Was to speak to the water. He hit the water. So was also his downfall was a little, his downfall was a little bit in water. I never saw that, but there's, there's, there's little comparisons over here. But Lamaish, what does that have to do with here? So when, when I, I was talking to a girl today, a girl came to my office to speak to me, and um, so she said that she's davening and she's doing what she's supposed to be doing, but th- things are going wrong and. It's one of the subjects I'm going to talk about tonight. But so, so I said, well, you know, a person doesn't only come back here. Um, a person has to do tikkunim and gugulim. So sometimes you can be doing the right thing, 
But you got to go through some pain for stuff you did last time. And many times, and many of the tillers that we say, we say, Hashem, please forgive me for what I did in this Gilgal, Ubi Gilgal Acher. What I did when I was here last time. So sometimes you're doing the right thing, but you got to go through pain, you got to go through certain stuff, because you're still cleaning up, you know, you're still cleaning up from the last time. So, so, Moshe Rabbeinu came back, and he had to be put in the same position. Now, what's the same position? No one's in the position to save himself or save the world. That was the position. Moshe Rabbeinu had to be put in the same position. What was the position? So, when the Kleistro did the Egel, when they made the golden calf, so it says that Hashem came to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, I am, I don't want these people as my nation. I, I just gave, I just gave, you went up for 40 days to come down, and, 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 and the, the service of was what? Well, I said it myself, and they're doing the Egel, forget it. So Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm killing all the Jews, and from you, and your children, and your wife, will come the whole new nation. It's pretty awesome, right? So, here he was in the exact same position. By Noah Hashem did that, he said, I'll save you and your kids, and destroy the whole world. And now he's coming to Moshe Rabbeinu and saying, I'll destroy the whole Klai Yisrael, and I'll start Klai Yisrael again, like the new world, from you and your kids. So this time, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't make the mistake that Noah made. So he said, no, no, it's all of us or none of us. If you destroy Klai Yisrael, wipe me out of your, out of the Chumash. In other words, I don't exist. There's no Shemos, there's no Vayikra, there's no Bambidbar. I don't exist. So it's all of us or none of us. And Hashem said, ah, now you got it right. And he saved Klaistral. Moshe Ben saved Klaistral. Now, in the words, Mocheni Na, if you take the word Mocheni, right, Mem it spells Mei, Mem Yud, Noach. Those are the words of Mocheni, right? Mem Ches Nun Yud. Mei Noach, the waters of Noach. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mocheni Na, Misifrecha, Mocheni, Mei Noach. Fix, wipe out the, what, ha, what I did in the waters of Noach, that I didn't save the world. I want to do tshuva. So he asked Hashem, he said, it's all of us or none of us. And this time, Yitak is safe. So, when a tzaddik is glazer, when a tzaddik says something, even though it didn't happen, Hashem didn't wipe out Kla Yisrael, didn't wipe out Moshe Rabbeinu, didn't, but something has to come true. When it comes out of a tzaddik's mouth, something of what he said had to come true. So Hashem said, I'm not wiping you out of the whole Torah, but I have to wipe you out of a parsha. And he wiped him out of parsha's tzaddik. Of this, of this week's parsha. Now, what an unbelievable, I think it's the Vilna Gain, I'm not sure if it's the Vilna Gain, but it's absolutely amazing, right? Even though Moshe Rabbeinu, because he was a tzaddik and he said something, he was goyz, a tzaddik, goyz, Hashem, Ekayim, so he had to get wiped out, but even in parsha's tzaddik, secretly, benister, not benigla, hidden, not revealed, Moshe Rabbeinu's name is in the parsha. I remember when I heard that, I, I started looking through the Pasha, Gamatrius, this, that. I couldn't find his name. But I believe it's, I believe it's a Gra, I believe it's a Vilna Gra, maybe not. So he says, that at the end of every Pasha, it tells us how many Psukim are in the Pasha, how many, how many Psukim are in the Pasha. So if you look at the end of Pasha, it says, Kuf Aleph. It has 101, um, Psukim. Michal Simen, Umavtirin, okay, right, whatever. So, it has 101 psukim. Now, what's the, what's the nigla? Everybody, in everybody's name, there's a nigla and a nister. In everyone's person's name here, there's, there's your name that everybody sees, and there's your name that's hidden. What does that mean? For instance, if you take the name Moshe, right? So there's a mem. Starts with a mem. How do you spell mem? Mem, mem. mem. So you see, 
one mem, you don't see the other mem. Right? The, the, the nigla, the, my name is Zechariah, right? So Zion, you see a Zion, which is seven, but you don't see the Yud Nun. Zion, Zion is Zion, Yud Nun, right? You don't see that. So in every letter in the Aleph base, right? Aleph, you see the Aleph, but you don't see the Lamed Pei. So the Lamed Pei is the hidden, and the Aleph, the letter Aleph, is the revealed. So in Moshe's name, his name is Mem, which is Mem Mem, so you don't see a Mem, right? Shin, where right? you see the Shin, but you don't see the Yud Nun. That's how you spell Shin, Shin Yud Nun, right? And Hey, you see the Hey, but you don't see the Aleph. Hey spelled Hey Aleph. So if you, if you take the Nister of his name, which is a Mem, right? From, from Moshe, and a Shin, which is Yud Nun. So Yud Nun, right? So Mem is 40, Yud is 10 is 50, Nun is 10 is 50, Hey, is hey Aleph, is Aleph, is 101. So, the Moshe's name that's hidden, the Mem, the Yud Nun, and the Aleph equals 101. How many Pesukim are in the Parsha? 101. So, his name is actually in every single Pesuk in the Parsha. Because if you're missing one Pesuk, then it doesn't equal his name. I think it's the Vilna Gain that says this. It's amazing. What? There's no such thing as a Parsha. No, Psukim. The 101 Psukim. Right. Yes, there was. Of course there was. No, we didn't divide it. You have... You have the, 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 the guy of the Christians made Prokim. Perikid Aleph, Perikid Beis. They made the Prokim. But the Pashas, of course, we're beginning and end of a Pasha. Of course, the Atatatavah... But in the bottom line is the post is telling us that Kuf Aleph there's a hundred and one psukim in this parsha. That's that's what it's telling. There's a hundred. This parsha ended up having a hundred and one psukim. How? Where? What? Our, this parsha itself has a hundred and one. Truma has ninety six. Every parsha has a certain amount of psukim. I think Vayelech uh, is the smallest parsha has thirty. So this parsha has, right? However it ended up, this parsha has 101. Moshe Rabbeinu's name is 101. So it's in every single Pasuk is his actual name, that's Nister. Now, it's interesting because normally you don't have an Adashani. Normally around this parsha is when you have, when you have Megillus Esther, when you have Purim. Now, it brings down in Purim, Hashem's name, Hashem's name is not mentioned at all in the whole Megillah. Why? Because Hashem said, if a human being, right, Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to have his name wiped out, right, to save Klai Yisrael, I have to do the same thing. So I'm willing to have my name wiped out in the Megillah's Esther. doesn't say once the word Hashem or Elohim, Kael, or any of Hashem's name. It says the word Hamelech, right? So where it doesn't say Hamelech Achashverosh, which we'll learn as we get towards Purim, when it says Hamelech Achashverosh, it's from Achashverosh. It just says the word Hamelech, Vayakam Hamelech, all that, right? It says Hamelech, that's Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So Hashem said, "You wiped your name out to save Klai Yisrael in Pasha Tetzava. I wiped my name out to save Klai Yisrael in the Megillah." Which is very interesting that that one of the boys in my class in Crown Heights Yeshiva when I was teaching many many years ago. So in Perek, I think it's Perek Vav in the Megillah where it says that the beginning of the Yeshua, the beginning of Klai Yisrael being saved was the night that the king could not sleep. I think it's Perek Vav. And that's what Taket says. It doesn't say the king Achashver. It says the king could not sleep. And in, the, in, in Kabbalah we learn that it's when Hashem 
after he signed the Gzeirah, that Klai will be destroyed, Hashem could not rest, that his children were going to be destroyed. It says, right? So, in that part, it was very interesting. So, so we were talking, I was, I was teaching the class, and, 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 and we were, we were talking about that, that that night Hashem could not sleep, and, and that the word Hamelech in the Torah is, what's it called? Is, um, is, is like Hashbarchu. So he, he said, all of a sudden he raised his hand. I don't know what got into his head, but he raised his hand. Let's see where it is. Uh, it's Perikvav. Perikvav. Belayla who nerdash nas hamelech. The king could not sneeze. Right? So he said that he counted. So Perikvav is when the Yeshua started. So he said that he counted in Perikvav the Megillah's Esther. It says the word hamelech 26 times. It says the word hamelech 26 times in the in this Perik. And Hashem's name, Yud K Vav K, right? His name equals 26. So also this kid raised his hand. I don't know why he counted it. And he's like, Hashem's name is just like, just like Moshe Rabbeinu's name is in, is in Pasha Tzatzavah by the amount of the Psukim. Hashem's name, where Klaishro was saved, is also hidden. The same way, Nida Kenegimida, that it says 26 times the word Hamelech in the Perik of the Geula of Klaishro, which is Perik Vav. So I was like, where'd you get that from? He's like, I don't know, just decided to count it. So you can be a crown as a shiva boy and have, and have Ruch HaKodesh. See? Okay. Anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit about things that are hidden and things that are seen. It's just, just you know, sometimes what happens on your day, what, my day of when I'm teaching, when I'm, when I'm going to give a shir. So, um, so this girl that came in to talk to me today, so, um, so she was saying that she's trying and she's davening and she's doing what she's supposed to. She doesn't see Hashem. And because she doesn't see Hashem, and she, she's sort of drifting a little bit away. So I said, what does that mean you don't, you don't see Hashem? She goes, I don't know, I'm looking for like something big to happen. You know, it's like a miracle, like this, like something, you know, that's what she, she's looking for something big to happen. In other words, I'm davening and davening and davening. I'm figuring like someone's gonna, a guy's gonna knock on the door, and you know, he's coming for, to collect money for a yeshiva, and he's gonna say, wow, can I, will, I, will you marry me? You know, something like crazy, something like, like, cause she's going on the yeshiva, she's having a hard time. So she's like, I'm davening, so I'm looking like this, you know, that, you know, we'll go for, like something unusual, not like a date and a shidduch, but something like out of left field that Hashem is just gonna send them to me. And I'm like, that's not the way it works. And if that's your expectation in life, you are gonna, you are not going to, you're not gonna stay from, you're not gonna stay religious, you are gonna go off to derech because, because that's tzaddik, you know, that's, that, those are the people who, I'm doing the right thing, so you owe me Hashem. If I'm doing the right thing, how, how come you're not, you know, you're not paying me? So I said to her, she told her an interesting story, I said, she has to work on her, on her understanding of Hashem and, and searching for Hashem. She said, what do you mean? So I have a friend, he's in the kitchen business. That's what he does. He sells kitchens. One of my closest friends. So we're driving on the FDR drive one, going up to the mountains on a Thursday night, and we're on the FDR drive, these huge apartment buildings next to the FDR drive. And we're driving one, and he's like, Zach, you see that building? I'm like, yeah. He says, what do you see? I'm like, huge apartment building, I wish my father owned it, <laughs> you know, on the FDR drive on the east side. Um, I don't know, I see bricks. He goes, no, no, look close, what do you see? I'm like, a real estate investment. He goes, no, no. What do you see? I'm like, I don't know. A lot of people in the apartment building. I don't know what you want. You make me crazy. What do you want? He says, if you were in my business, you know what you would see? 
kitchens. Lots of kitchens. That's what he sells, right? So now you have, and, and I understood what he was saying because he sells kitchens. You look at an apartment building, there's 120 apartments, you're like 120 kitchens, right? Now another guy's driving on the FDR drive, he's in real estate. What does he see? He sees a great investment. There's another guy, his, his uncle owns Otis Elevator, and he's like, that building needs an elevator. And another guy, he does window shades. He's like, oh my gosh, it's a gold mine, right? Look how many windows are in that building. So depending on what business you are, right? One guy sells toilets. He's like, wow, that place must need a lot of toilets. So you have all these different people who are looking at this building. They all see something different, right? You go past the Barnes & Noble store, and you're in my car, and I'm like, so that's Barnes & Noble. What do you see? What are you going to say? Books. Starbucks. Right? Starbucks. Books. What am I going to say? Bags. Because they're my, I make plastic bags. They're my customer. So when I look at a Barnes & Noble store, I'm like, that's a lot of bags. You know, everybody take five of them, you know? That's what I see. I see, I see, I see plastic bags. The guy that's in the book business, he sees books. Right? The guy's in the register role, but registers, he sees cash registers. The guy's in the maintenance, he sees mops and maintenance. So, so I said to this girl today, I said, if you're in the business of God, <laughs> you talk very seriously. If you're connected to Hashem, then when you walk into a flower store, you don't see flowers, you see Hashem. Like, wow, why'd you make all these different colors and all these different shapes and all this? Why'd you do this for me? Like, I see God. You walk into a fruit store, you don't see apples and oranges and peaches and bananas. You're like, you see God, Right? When you walk into a hospital, when you walk into a doctor's office and you're sick and they give you a shot or, or you're like, oh my gosh, and you're better right away, right? Or, or, or you have a headache and you take two Tylenol. There's a bracha actually that you're supposed to say when you, um, when you take medicine, right? You're like, you, you see a Kurdish bracha. Wow. I, you know, and when, when you went, and that's what, by the way, that's what Asher Yatsar is. You come out of the bathroom. How do you see God when you come out of the bathroom? Right, so when you make an ashayatza, what are you saying? I see pipes and, and I see blood, I see veins and I see chalulim, chalulim, right? So you're not just walking out, you're saying, oh my gosh, my whole digestive system, right? So, so you see, that's the problem, and that's why it says, most of the medicine, medical world, they see medicine, they see science. They see science. They don't see God. Because they're not, Connected to God. So they see cells when they look under a microscope. But a person is connected to God and he sees a teeny cell and what a cell can do, he sees God. So I told her, I said, you're not connected to Hashem. So everything you look at has nothing to do with Hashem. I mean, I, I don't, I, Lahavdil, right? So right after the Super Bowl, um, I, oh, Pete Carroll, he made this, he made this, from the Seahawks, he made this comment. He said, he said, it was so amazing. I was thinking to myself that, that and we know everything is on the Hashgacha process, even a football game, whatever it was. And here you had this big snowstorm coming in Sunday night, right? Like, our snow that we had, all this mush that we have outside, Sunday night and, and Monday morning. Had it come in Saturday night, right, the whole football game would have been a mess. People would have been sitting on snow and been frozen, whatever it is. So instead of saying, instead of the football players and all of them saying, you know, thank you, God, that you gave us a 49-degree beautiful day, when they're all scared they're going to be playing in, in a frozen tundra, what does he say, Pete Carroll? He says, you know what? You all now know how powerful the NFL is. They even control the weather. <laughs> I promise you, quote unquote. 
That's what he said. And I'm sitting there, and I'm saying to myself, you Meshuggah, because I was on JetBlue, so I was listening, I'm like, you Meshuggah, you couldn't say, thank you God, that my team, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, that we won, and you gave us a 49 degree, a beautiful day to play ball in. Instead, he gives the power to the NFL. The NFL is so powerful, such an avoidance, such an ace of comment, such an ace of comment, instead of, right, so, because he's not looking at God, he's it's NFL, they're playing football. So, so instead of saying, wow, look at this beautiful weather that people could go to the game and they can enjoy the game, the players won't get broken bones because it's 49 degrees, not 10 degrees or the next day full of snow and everybody's slipping all over the place and breaking bones. Thank you, thank you God for giving us a beautiful day. Instead of doing that, and he's the guy that's doing yoga, that's doing all this connection, all the spirituality, he gets up and says, look how powerful the NFL is. So I'm saying, like, if you don't want to see Hashem, then you're just not going to see Hashem. But if you are connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you will see God in everything. Scientists and doctors see science in everything. Everything's science. Right? Or randomness or science. Or phys- a guy who's, who does physics, everything's physics. Understand? So, so I was telling this girl today, I was like, once you connect yourself to Hashem, then flowers is Hashem, and fruit is Hashem, and health is Hashem, and children is Hashem, and, and I was, I found myself a really good spot by myself with the sun and the sand and the ocean, right? And I was sitting there and I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. The sun, which is vitamin D, which is, I know some people think it's not healthy, you know, for cancer, this and that, the other thing, whatever it is. I, I'm very into Hashem created it, don't abuse it, but I think the sun is very, is very healthy, not unhealthy. Even though scientists say it's unhealthy, whatever, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, whatever it is, but it's, it's free. And I was thinking there, because I had a lot of time to think, and I'm like, the ocean's free, the sun is free, and the sand is free. And we're all spending crazy kinds of money to entertain, to relax, to, and when none of us get relaxed anyway, what you need to do is sit by an ocean by yourself, that sound of the water, right? And, and, the, and the whole quiet and the whole beauty and a couple of seagulls eating my crackers, Right? They're not, they're not not scared of anything. They just climb right up and they're like, hey, I'm hungry, you know, make a bracha, whatever it is. So, 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 and I was thinking, it's all free and and Hashem did this all for us. And the sun, and without the sun, the the earth is dead. And every single day that sun is up there and it warms you and it gives you light. And you know, in the morning, the darkness is pushed away from the sun. And how many times do we ever think that, that, that the the sun, because Bokhu created the sun for us. And when I look at the sun, I'm not looking at nature, mother nature. I'm looking at because both who created the sun for us. And it's full of vitamin D. And it's full of all kinds of ultraviolet light. And it's full of all this thing that it brings. And, and the ocean is amazing. You know that thing that is a famous, I think it's a Zaya that talks about the ocean. I, I think it's like every, not every 40 seconds, even less. Every 12 seconds, there's a wave. Sit there and count the waves, right? You really have nothing to do with your life, right? But, right, so like every 12 seconds, there's a wave. Now, it talks about that when the world, the world used to be covered with water. What are waves? Where do waves come from? Why are there waves, right? The whole title, the, the, the moon, all the, why does Hashem make waves? I don't take anything for granted. A lake doesn't have waves. The ocean has waves. Why, why, does, why does the ocean have waves? And they don't stop, and they don't stop. They never stop. They never take a break, right? They don't stop. Why? So it's brought down. The reason there are waves is because when the world started off, it was all water. And Akash the whole world was water. And Akash separated the water from the land. In other words, 
there's land under all the water in the earth, and even under an ocean. It doesn't go to the center of the earth. There's always land under the earth. And the way the earth was before Hashem separated was everything was ocean, and underneath the ocean there was land. So the ocean, that's where the water is on. When Hashem separated, He took water up to Shemayim. He took the earth and He separated the water from the earth. But the water in its natural state wants to cover the earth. So what are waves? I think it's desire. What are waves? Waves is the ocean, the water, trying to go back to the way it was before my Sibiratius. So the water always wants to take over the earth. So the waves are always crashing against the surf, trying to overcome the, come, overcome the earth. But, what? Yes, I talked about it, but when I'm by the ocean, I, you know, I think about it. And the, and the, and the, and of course the wave comes out, and it gets pushed back, and the next wave comes out, and it gets pushed back. So, like, hey, wait, why don't you tell the rest of them to stop? Because you're not going, you're not, you're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Unless you're a tidal wave, unless you have a, you're a big tidal wave, you're not going anywhere. So, and the answer is that each wave says, each wave that's coming in says, you didn't make it, that doesn't mean I won't make it. Right? And the next one comes back 12 seconds later and says, just because you didn't make it, doesn't mean I'm not going to make it. And forever and ever and ever and ever, they will continue to try, they will continue to try. And it's a very, very big, very big lesson, you know, for all of us. And, and, and of course, the waves have a very destructing, they have a crazy destructing power. If you build, that was these poor kids, they build castles, and first wave comes, after three waves, there's nothing there. You don't even realize that anything was ever built. So they're trying, they're trying, and they're trying to keep getting pushed. That's a very good lesson for you. I'm just thinking to myself, like, we live in such a crazy world. If everybody would just relax, right? And Hashem gave you a free ocean. It's free. It costs the whole world. It doesn't cost any money to go into the ocean. It doesn't cost any money to, to be in the sun. It doesn't cost any money to sit on the sand unless you're in a, a beach club or something, whatever it is. And, and, and he, all this beauty. So I see Hashem in all that. I see Hashem in whatever He does. And then... You have people who see the same thing, and the same flowers, it's science, it's mother nature, it's this, it, and they don't see Hashem at all. Zero. And this, this is what I was speaking to this girl about today. I was saying, and what Hashem did, what he did, is he became very nister. But he didn't become nister, just like I don't see kitchens when I look at an apartment building, right? Because you can't see the kitchen when you look at the building, you see bricks. But my friend who lives in the business, he sees through the bricks. In his head, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, let me see how many windows. That's a, that's two hundred forty, two hundred and forty uh, apartments. That's two hundred forty kitchens." He's already seeing them putting it in where the dishwasher's going to be, where everything's going to be. Right? I'm looking at bricks. He sees the whole story. Why? Because that's where he's in. So a person who's in Tyra and who's connected to Hashem Baruch Hu, he sees in in, in 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 his children. He sees in his wife. He sees in his household. He sees Hashem, and that's why the tzaddikim used to call their wives the Shechina. So he used to clean himself up before they walked into the house. And Tamidim said, why are you cleaning yourself up? He says, I'm going to see the Shekhinah. They're like, oh, the Shekhinah lives in your house? Wow, that's, that's unbelievable. He goes, no, it's my wife. Wait, what does it mean it's your wife? And the answer is that relationships and everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not just things that happen. So I explained to this girl today. I said, if you get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all of a sudden you're going to see a lot of things that you didn't see before. You're going to see the most important thing, which is Ashkacha Patis. means that stuff doesn't just happen, which brings me to Zumba. See, I told you I'd get to Zumba. So here I was a long, long time ago, right in May. I spoke about Zumba, and then I spoke in the Agoda Convention, and then for some reason, for some reason, I'm not actually talking about Zumba, but for some, for some reason, right, the whole thing went haywire, and, and it's, it's, it's not letting me alone, right? I was in Florida 
this girl came up to me with her husband. He was like, he's like giving me this face. I was like, wow, I, what's what I do to him, right? And she's like, you're Robert Wallace. And I'm like, yes. She goes, could you explain to me why why you said that that because I dance Zumba, I'm, I'm a Zaina? She excuse me? I don't, even, I don't even know who you are. She said, no, you said, you said that people who dance Zumba, they're Zainas. I said, I never, did you, I said, did you hear, did you hear my speech? No. I didn't hear your speech. But I read, I read it on YouTube. I said, excuse me, first of all, and he's standing there like in my face, right? I'm like, uh, I'm serious, and, and random people, I don't know who they are. Random people, right? From this whole thing. No, I'm just saying, like random people. So, so, so I said to her, I never said that. I said that this led to this. What's next? That's what I said. So, but you have to listen. Why, why didn't you listen? Right? You have to listen, whatever it is. So she's saying, so you're taking it back? I said, listen. Listen to what I said. And then send me an email, whatever you want. But it's not what I said. Whatever. So, so, so it's very annoying and it's very upsetting. I, 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 you know, like, well, Hashem, what do you want from my life? You know what I mean? No, what I do? I work for you. I talk, I talk your tire and everything. Why? You, and I hate Facebook. I hate all this stuff. Why you took me and you just smeared me all over, all over YouTube. All over, you just took me and you just splattered me like a, like a, like a, like a mosquito on a, on a windshield, right? I mean, like, just splattered me all over the place, right? 17,000 hits, all kinds of garbage, right? What, what's, you know, and, and I was, I have to, I have to tell you, I'm a human being. I'm, I'm like, Hashem, what, why? Right? And I don't know why. Let me tell you, now I know why. I'll tell you the story that happened in Israel. So I didn't know why. I didn't know why, and and I only saw the bad in it. I didn't see Hashem in it. I didn't see Hashem in the in that whole thing. I gave the speech in May. This guy took it. He made all these stories up about me, right? People are, you know, people canceled my shiurim that I was supposed to speak in t- certain cities. Uh, you know, it's not it's, it's not a good feeling. I'm not going to tell you I had a great feeling about it, right? Not that I wouldn't say it again, because I, 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 who I was talking to, I was talking to, and I never made those comments that he, that they made that I made. I never said that. I would never call a Jewish girl anything. I, just the opposite to me. Every Jewish woman is a tzaddikista, and every single guy is a tzaddik, and everybody has potential. I don't, I don't call people zainas, I don't call people names, whatever it is. So it hurts, it hurts when you don't do so. If I would have said it, then it wouldn't hurt. Like I said it, I stand behind it, and that's what I meant. I didn't say that, and that's not what I meant. So it hurt, but I didn't, I didn't, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I need to, after the Agurian Convention, everyone was saying how great you were, so I needed to get put in my place. Okay? Fine, I, I accept that, I accept that. You know what? Sometimes it's, that's what it has to be, you gotta get put in your place. You know what I mean? Not the whole world thinks you're so great, there's a lot of people out there that don't like you anymore. Okay, I accepted that, that's what I thought. Anyway, I go to Eretz two weeks, three weeks ago. This is a true story. I go to Eretz and, I wasn't feeling so well there. My wife wasn't feeling so well. They were both weren't feeling so well. So there's someone that I know in Edgestrol, and I was telling them, I don't feel so good. I don't know. My back hurts. My neck is killing me. So she says, Robert Wallstein, there's somebody, amazing doctor, and he's like a chiropractor, whatever it is, and you go to him for an hour, and he gets all the poisons out of your body, and, 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 no, like, like with chiropractoring and, Repressure and acupressure and reflexology, and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm, I'm, me and my wife are like, we're going. You know? She said, I went in there, I was so sick, I came out, I was like a new person. I'm like, okay. In big for God, I don't know where he was, whatever it is. So I call up, and I'm like, I really need this. And they tell me, Thursday, we only have one hour. So it's either you or your wife. So I'm like, can we split the hour? Like, do a half hour, half hour, so we'll both walk out half sick? <laughs> you know what I mean? like, but a little bit better. 
you want to split the hour, yeah, he came back, yeah, you can split the hour, whatever, it's fine. So Thursday, 11 o'clock, we're going. It's on Tuesday, I made the appointment, fine. Tuesday night, I get a phone call. By the way, we just had a cancellation. This is exactly how the story happened. We just had a cancellation. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we have two hours, 11 to 1. Okay? Wednesday, at like 4 o'clock, I'm speaking in Medrash So this is perfect. I don't feel well. My neck hurts. My balance is not so good. I'm like, perfect. I'll get straightened out by this guy, and then I'll give this share in the afternoon. I'll be in perfect shape. Fine. So, just before I leave my apartment, I'm like, I'm speaking in Medrash but I spoke in Medrash last year, to Bishvat, same time, my father's yard site. I don't remember what I said. I don't want to give them the same share I gave last year. So I told my son-in-law, do you have a DVD, of the, the CD of my share last year? He goes, yes. I'm like, give it to me. I'll listen to it in the car to make sure I don't repeat the same thing. Fine. So my wife says, "Who you, you want to go first? I should go first. I said, you know what? I'll go first. Right? She said, let, let him... Let him try it on you, and then I'll see what you look like when you, we'll see what you look like when you come out. You be the guinea pig, right? I'll see what you look like when you come, fine. So, 11 to 12, I go. Okay, whatever, it worked, it didn't work, I'm not gonna get into it, I don't wanna hurt the guy, whatever. Fine, I come out at 12 o'clock, I tell my wife, I don't know, whatever, you wanna try it, try it, whatever. So, so she goes in, and I said, and she didn't have money or anything on her, I had the money, I said, okay, at 1 o'clock, when you come out, I'll go in, I wanna hear what he has to say about what's wrong with our bodies. And, and then, uh, I'll pay him whatever it is. I'll come in at one o'clock. I get into the car. And I'm like, perfect. Now I have an hour to listen to my tape. So I put in my tape from the year, which I gave the year before, which is about an hour and 15 minutes. And I start listening and I'm like, the whole shit that I was going to give, I had given the year before. This, if I saw this, crossed it off. This story I said already, crossed it off. This story, it would have been the biggest disaster in my life had I not asked him for the tape, because I would have given the exact same shit, it was the same parsha, the same everything. So it was perfect, I'm crossing everything over, I'm like, okay, now I know I need to have this story, different story, this, whatever it is. It's five to one, I'm like, okay, I gotta go inside and pay, right? I get out of my car, mom, get out of my car, I'm walking to this guy's office, and coming down to the Rehov is a guy, and he looks at me, he goes, you're Rabbi Wallerstein. I'm like, yeah. He says, can I talk to you for two minutes? I'm like, yeah, I got five minutes, it's five to one. He says, listen, my Chavrusa, has a place um, with girls that they get from the street, so, sort of like I hear that you have such a high school, and and he's he's having a very very hard time. He, he's having a very hard time with the girls with the whole system. It would be amazing if you would sit and talk to him. He talks about you all the time. We didn't, we, I didn't know that you were in Israel. He said, "Would you would you would you talk to him for give him an hour of your time just to you know let him pick your brain a little bit about what you do?" I'm like, "Sure." Here's my number. Tell him to call me. Fine. I go in. Doctor, pay him, whatever it is. Fine. He calls me that night. He says, Rev. Wallstein, um, I'd love to come over to your, to your apartment to talk to you. I do, in every, I do the same thing you do, whatever it is. I'm like, you know what? You do the same thing I do? I know some girls that are struggling. They're in the streets of Ramat Beit Shemesh. You know what? I want to come see your place. I told him, I want to come to your place, because I, I, if your place is really good, I'm going to send you some girls in Israel that I know that are struggling. He says, you would come You would come to my place? I'm like, yeah, let me see your high school. Fine, we'll pick you up, we'll take you to it. Fine. Thursday morning, when I was supposed to go to the doctor, instead of going to the doctor, because I was ready by him, I'm going at 11 o'clock to see this guy's school. Right? I come into the school, there's like 30 Israeli girls, like my high school, exactly like my high school. 
but they speak Hebrew and I don't speak Hebrew I mean I do but my date look is so bad that I'm not getting up there <laughs> instead of who I'm saying he instead of I need I'm saying we you know what I'm saying he was a little hard who is he he is she you know how it works right it's a little, dog is fish you know the whole thing okay but anyway so 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 I go in there and he starts showing me this and this and that and he goes would you talk to the girls I'm like he said he says, ah, it would be such a big thing for them if you would talk to them. So, you know me, I don't know how to say no. I'm like, okay, two minutes. I'm just going to talk to them for two minutes. I walk in, and, I, and there's this whole group of girls, and their mom is like my high school girls, and they're all like leaning in, because the Amerikai, right, is here to speak. And I know that part of, part of my kayak of speaking is I'm speaking in my language that I, I can speak. When you go into a different language, you lose that whole... So I'm like, does anyone here know how to speak English? So there's this one girl... She says, I'm an American. I, I can speak English. I'm like, would you translate into everything, I'm, you know, what I'm going to say? She says, yes. I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to tell them about our album. I'm going to tell them about my butterfly. The whole butterfly, the cocoon, the suffering, the challenge, the friends telling you you're a caterpillar, stop with the wing business, right? For 45 minutes I spoke in this school. And I told them the whole thing with the butterfly. And she translated into a writ, maybe it was more than 45, maybe it was an hour. It was amazing. It was like me being in my, in my high school. It was absolutely amazing. Okay. I finished it. Thank me. You got to come back. This and that, whatever it is. I'm walking out. This one girl walks up to me. And she, she, she says to me in a writ, she says, you changed my life. I said, what do you mean I changed your life? She said, I was thinking of taking my life this week. I said, what? She goes, I was thinking of taking my life this week. But I'm the par par. I'm the butterfly. And I am not. I am going to fly. And you don't understand. You just saved my life. I'm like, come on. She goes, she's not crying. She says, you saved my life. I was going to take my life this week. And I walked out. And I got into the car. And on the way home, this guy's driving home. He just sent me a beautiful email. And he and writ. On the way home, I'm like, God... You're amazing. Thank you for giving me a chance to say the speech. There's no zoom been here yet. Just, I'm just happy that he gave me the chance to save this girl's life. My whole trip to Israel, I saved the girl's life? That's nuts. Okay. We're in the car going home. The Chavrusa, not the, not the head of the school. Not the head of the school. The Chavrusa, who met me on the street, right? Says to me, so what do you think of the school? You like it? Would you send us girls? Maybe we'll send you some girls. And we're talking, we're talking. He says, he says, by the way, you know, I never heard your name before in my life. He said, I didn't know what you look like. I said, so how'd you know in the street? You said, you're Rabbi Wallerstein. How'd you know what I look like? He said, two weeks ago, my wife said, do you hear about that rabbi in, in America? That's, that this whole thing that the whole, everyone's talking about that he gave his Zumba shear and he called girls something and this and that and the other thing. And I said, who, what? He said, so we went because we heard this whole thing and we wanted to hear your shear that you gave on Zumba. So we went online and we watched your shear and your picture is there right above when you share and online on YouTube, your picture is there. He said, he said, if it wasn't for that shear, I never heard your name in my life. Whether for that chair would never know who you look like. So I'm thinking to myself, so because of the Zumba situation, you knew what I looked like. I stepped out of the car, it was two minutes to go get, to go pay for my wife. 
This guy would have walked right by me. I never would have spoken in that school. That girl would have been dead today, right? Maybe, right? And I'm thinking to myself, here I am saying, what are you doing to me, Hashem? What are you doing? Putting me out there? And, and, and now everybody hates me? Why'd you do that? And Hashem's in Shemayim saying, I have to save this girl's life. And there's no way that this guy's going to recognize you. The only way he's going to recognize you is because you're going to become famous for something not, a good convention he's not interested in seeing. But he's going to look at something because he heard something bad, whatever, whatever it was. And I walked out of the car and I'm like, tell me the truth. You really don't know what I look like? He says, I promise you, if this would have happened three weeks ago, I would have walked right by you. I saw the Zumba the, um, sheer two weeks ago because my wife told me that I need to listen to it. So, yeah, if you live with Hashem, then you see, then you can see him in every little thing. Okay. Listen to this. Listen to the, listen to the twist in the story. It didn't feel well. Somebody told me about this chiropractor, mumbi jumbi, whatever, <laughs> doctor, right? Which I never would go to. Never in my life did I go to a doctor in Israel who he rubs your feet and, and bad stuff comes out of your feet, right? Like, like bad, bad spirits come out of your feet, whatever. I would never do that. But I didn't feel well. And, and I just look at Hashem's yad. And then this guy came, and all he wanted to do was talk to me, to come to my apartment. And I'm like, no, I want to see the school, because I know some kids. And one thing led to the other, and the whole thing happened, because this guy saw the, the terrible thing that I did with Zumba. And, and that, HaKadosh Baruch and that's, that's what I told this girl today. I'm like, if you're connected, then you can see in every single day, in whatever you do, you can see his yad. And if you're not connected, and, and that's what Hashem, that's what Hashem, it's, it's a real big hide and go seek game. It really is. And, and he's hidden. And he's hidden in, 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 now he's hidden in technology. He used to be hidden in Mother Nature. Anything that happened, a storm, a hurricane, this and that, right? I'll give you another example. So, we've been listening for the last 10 years about global warming. Global warming, global warming. Because of the, of the, of the thing, that, because of, because of, 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 of aerosol spray cans and deodorants, right? Where, 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 the polar ice cap is melting and, and because of, of all these different things in the world, the whole world is changing and there's going to be a massive flood. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, are we paying the price this year? Hashem's like, oh, Mother Nature, right guard, you know, deodorant? Now. That's not what runs the world. I run the world. So you know what I'm going to teach you about your global warming? You're going to have the coldest winter that you've ever had. Minnesota last week was 45 degrees below zero. No wind chill factor. Three days in Chicago, kids didn't go to school. We are freezing. We have never had this much snow, this kind of cold. So what are the scientists saying? What happens? What? So... This is what they're saying. They're saying, they're saying, because now they're wrong, right? So they're saying, no, all this stuff that's going on is not global warming, it's climate change. So, so, past global warm, warming is hot, cold, freezing, cold, snow, rain, right? So they got stuck because we're freezing and they're global warming. So like, no, 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 it got worse. The ozone layer got even so bad now that there's not even global warming. It's climate change. They will not give Hashem credit for anything. <laughs> they will not give him credit for anything. It gets warm. It's nature. So what happens? Because well, right, so, and I explain this to this girl. So when you when you when you 
When you're not connected to Hashem, you don't see Hashem in anything. No matter what, I said the biggest miracle is you woke up this morning. What are you waiting for? Yamsuf to split? You woke up this morning. I said I was on JetBlue. Two, what was it, last night? Last night? No, two nights ago. Sunday. Sunday night, right? I was on JetBlue. I'm on this plane. It leaves, it left at 10.30 Miami. I'm on this plane. There's not a seat on the plane, right? Plane's flying. Guy's walking down the aisle serving soda and beer and blue potato chips and corn chips and chocolate chips. People are going to the bathroom. Everybody has a screen in front of them. They're watching the, the football game. They're watching this. They're watching that. They're watching that. How many people are on this plane? 300 people, right? 235 people flying in the air. I have that. I like to watch the airplane, the track, right? 39,840 feet up in the air at 595 miles an hour in a, in a piece of metal that weighs Thousands of tons. Now, you think Kriyat Yamsuf was big? I think this is bigger. I think this is bigger. Flying up that high in that kind in that kind of metal, right? Confei Nisharim. This is crazy. People living in a plane at forty thousand feet. And by the way, it says the degrees outside. It's like eighty-five degrees below zero Fahrenheit outside. You're sitting in this metal thing in perfect comfort, bathroom, drink, watching TV, everything's beautiful. Outside of that metal thing, it's, if, if you were out there for a second, you're, you're a piece of ice, you're dead in one second. And you're just flying through the air from Florida, right? From Florida, all the way through, forget about that. You're flying over the Atlantic. Why is Kriyasiapsa bigger? An ocean opening up and walking through, I think it's bigger to fly 40,000 feet above the, the ocean. Then splitting the ocean, 40,000 feet above an ocean? Come on, right? So the people going through the Yamsuf, if they would have seen a plane at 40,000 feet with people sitting, what's the difference between Kriya Yamsuf? Sitting and eating, right? El Al, hot food, right? A soup, a there, a salad, right? The seats are all the way back, they're sleeping, right? And, and going across the Yamsuf, they have to walk. They walk, right? We don't have to walk. We fly 5,000 miles, which is much bigger than the Yamsuf, and we don't even have to walk. This is bigger than Chris Yamsuf. We're laying on a bed. Or if you're going coach, sitting squash like this, right? <laughs> Whatever it is. But what's a bigger miracle? So what, the truth is, this might even be a bigger miracle. What did Hashem do? He hid himself in technology. So if it's something that's growing, or something that's going on in the earth, the world says, it's Mother Nature. If it's something that's going on as far as technology, being able to talk to someone across the world, right, and do, doing all these things, and to take a rocket ship and land on the moon, that's not bigger than Kriyas Yamsuf. To, to land on the moon, human beings to land on the moon, that's not bigger than Kriyas Yamsuf. What did Hashem do? He hid himself in this. So, so when you talk, it's not, God, it's, it's man-made, it's, it's not, so nature, he's hidden in nature. In technology, he's hidden in technology. When I'm on that plane, I'm saying to Hashem, I'm saying to Hashem, this is amazing that you gave the human being a little peanut head, right, with a teeny little brain. You gave us the ability to create something that can fly 40,000 feet at 600 miles an hour. Kleistel didn't move at 600 miles an hour through the Amsof. And they weren't at 40,000 feet. And they didn't, and, and they had perfect temperature, whatever it is. We have the same thing. We have the same thing. So submarines and boats and airplanes and cars and everything that we have, right? It's, we don't even think about the connection to Hashem because it's technology. We're so disconnected. So, so he hid himself and our 
job. She was asking me, what's, our, what's my job? What's my, what should I do? Our job is to find him in all these hidden things. And, and, and it's, a, it's a terrible thing because, you know, in hiding seek, you know, the last, when you, get, you play when you were little kids and then after a while you get bored with it. So it's the last kid who's now going to, everyone's going to hide and he's going to seek. And everyone's like, you know, he's going to go hide and everyone has to look for him. And they're like, eh, who cares? We're not looking for him. Right? And the poor kid's hidden in the great place. He's waiting for all the friends. They went out to eat lunch. And he's sitting there like, hey, I'm going to win. I'm a winner, right? Nobody found me. He walks out and he's like, there's no one there. They all went to eat lunch. Right? So because Baruch was hidden, how sad it is that instead of looking for him, we're like, wow, I got the newest technology. Not Akash gave me the ability now to be able to talk to someone who's across the world or, or Skype. This was something that when I was growing up was like in Star Trek. To be able to see from America to Israel while the person's talking to me, that was, uh, that was like, what's his name? With the, he had this little, um, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy had this little watch that he could talk to the other guy with a watch and they could talk to each other. Now they have that. They have these watches that you could talk to somebody else. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. But, but that's, that's, and, and, that, and that's, that's the whole thing of, of, of Nister. And that's why Purim, and that's why Adashani, Purim is an Adashani, not Adarishan, because, because the Nister and the Nigla have to be next to each other. You have to be able to find the Baruch Hu in, in, in the Nister. And that's what he did. That's where, that's where he is today. He's in the flowers. He's in the technology. He's hidden in everything. And a person who's connected to Akash Baruch Hu, he's able to see it. So yeah, I got to see that the whole Zumba, the whole thing, got to this guy who saw the, who saw, who saw the speech, who saw my face, who ended up would recognize me, ended up me speaking. I would have never, I, would, I didn't even know this, this, this school existed. Ended up speaking. Ended up this girl walking over to me and saying, you just saved my life. I'm like, there's no way I could have saved your life. So, so sometimes you get a chance to, to see what he's doing, and sometimes you don't get a chance to see. But you have to understand that, that every move that you make, that you think you're making on your decision, every single move, that's Hashkacha Pratis. That's Hashkacha Pratis. Okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you're in the kitchen business and you see a building, you see kitchens. If you're in the God business, then whatever you see, is you see God. And, 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 and that's why a person has to learn. How do you learn to see God? Through his Torah, through his mitzvahs, through his mitzvahs, through getting close to him. That's how, that's how you get to see him. If you're very far away from him, you're not going to see him. Okay. Um, so I want, I want to go back a little bit for two minutes to, um, to Pasha's Truma, which I spoke a lot about in seminary this week. I have a couple of more minutes. So it says like this. This is last week's Pasha. So it's very repetitive. The Pasik says, speak to B'nai Yisrael, li truma, take for me truma, kol ish, from every person, libo, who wants to donate it, tichu with trumasi, take my truma, you already said li truma. So it's repetitive, what's this tichu trumasi? So it seems to be here, that there are two trumas. There are really three trumas, I mean, at a different angle. The next Pasik says, and Rashi says, there's three different trumas, but I heard something very, very beautiful that I want to I want to repeat to you. There are very there are two very different trumas in in in, um, in Pasuk Bays. So this is an argument that I had with my wife when I when I first got married, and the argument was when it comes to friends. My wife believed when we first got married that you should do for your friends what they would do for you. That's the relationship. In other words, if my friend wakes up. Uh, will wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning I call him and come out and change my tire and help me then if he calls me I have to do the same thing for him but if he tells me 
go go call AA, leave me alone. Then I don't get, when he calls me, I don't got to do it for him. And 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 that's how her friendships were based. And I very much felt very strongly that when you do something for someone, it has absolutely nothing to do with that person. You're doing it because you want to do that person a favor. It has nothing to do if that person is going to do you back a favor. It's a very different mindset. And in a, in a true good relationship, if it's not going to be like that, you know, I've, I've, I've done shalom bias with, with couples where they're, they're like, I did this for you. Okay, so I did that for you. But I did that for you. So I did that for you. Okay, but I did this for you. But I did that for you. And, and they have this list of 20 things I did for you. And because you did 20 things for me, I did 20 things for you. Right? That's not a relationship. Because at the end, they cancel each other out. You did zero for each other. Because if I did 20 for you, you did 20 for me. So I'm not ahead of you. You're not ahead of me. So it's really zero, zero equals zero. We're not, we're not anywhere. Right? So, so a relationship that's based on, well, I made you a coffee. So I guess I made you supper. So I bought you this. I bought you that. So at the end of the day, you don't have a relationship. Because you have nothing. It's zero, zero. I gave 20. You gave 20. So now nobody gave anything. So a relationship has to be that, that I'm not interested in what you, what I want to give you. And you want to give me. It's a marriage is not a give and take. It's, marriage is a give and give. A relationship is give and give. I want to give you, you want to give me. If I'm only giving you a manas that you're going to give me, then if you don't give me, I'm going to be very disappointed and our relationship's going to break up. So one of the major problems with relationships with God is that we think that we're giving him so much. I put on Tillin, I Davin, what'd you give me? Like, I asked you for this, you didn't give it to me. I asked you for a job, you didn't give it to me. I asked you for a shidduch, you didn't give it to me. So like, why am I doing this? And the answer is, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The, to develop a relationship with Hashem, you're, 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 you're not supposed to expect anything back. So, what this pasuk is telling us over here is the yichuli truma. That's the first part. In other words, to give. The second part is yitzvenu libo. That's what I was trying to tell my wife. The second part is a donation of your heart, which means I don't care if you don't give me back. It's not important to me because if that's how you're going to base your relationship, you're going to get hurt. I can tell you. No, you know, there's a saying: no good deed goes unpunished, right? The better, better favors, the bigger favors you do for people, the more you're going to get slapped in the head from them. And and if you're going to, if your expectations are very high, well, I did this and I did that in a marriage or in anything else, you're going to get very, very hurt. You're going to get very, very hurt because you, it's not based on that. You, when you do something, you're actually doing it. For yourself, you're helping somebody else. It makes you feel good. It's not about that other person. Now you can ask me. So then, what about Hakar Satov? In other words, so then, why does that person have to show me appreciation? The answer is, the person does not have to show you appreciation for you. The person has to show you appreciation for him. In other words, it's for his good that he appreciates what you did for him. Otherwise, he's going to become a miserable guy. But you don't need the Hakar Satov. It's not based on, I need you to thank me. Just the opposite. So how come when parents give something, they're like, say thank you? Not because I need to thank you. You need to say thank you. And that makes you a better person. You need to say thank you. But I don't need that thank you. So across the tov, the, the appreciation, you don't expect appreciation from the other person. That's his job to appreciate. But that's not something that you need. I, I'm, I do a lot of things for a lot of people, and I'm telling you that it's not based on me expecting them to do something back for me. Otherwise, that's not, that's a yichuli truma, but it's not a shigidveno libo, fichuith trumasi. That's what the Pasuk is telling over here. Not just to give it, but it should come from your heart. If it comes from my heart, I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. 
I don't expect anything from you. Of course, if you say thank you, it's very nice and I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. Of course, I'll appreciate it, but it's not based on that. And that's the Torah was telling us. You're giving me for the Mishkan, right? But don't give it and say, okay, I gave you something, Hashem. Now you have to give me something back. I, what, and Hashem doesn't need, we need to give. He doesn't need, he doesn't need to take. And many, many times, you know, you, you, you and, and a person has to learn how to take. You know, I have grandchildren and they make me these little silly pictures, right? And I don't need those pictures. You know, it's first grade or kindergarten of some flower that doesn't even, I'm trying to figure out what did you make over here, right? And my wife puts it out on, on the, we're, we're, the, we're a beautiful painting that cost me $40,000 and I bought an HS roll, right? It's hanging on my wall and my little grandson's little crepe paper is right underneath it, right? It costs also $40,000 tuition, but whatever. But it's right. It's sitting down there, and, and, and it's worth a nickel, right? So, do I need his paper? Of course I don't need his paper. But he needs to give me that paper that makes him feel good. So I take that, and I put it out, and you hang it up on your wall, and you hang it up on your refrigerator, because not because you need it, because he needs to give it, right? So we, when we grow up, we need to give our wives, our children. We need to have a relationship. But you, it's not because they owe me something, and, and I see it so many times in marriages and in relationships, that they, they, people feel that like the other person owes them so much, and because of that, when they don't get it, it the relationship breaks. So that's what the, that's what the Pusik's telling over here. The Pusik's telling us, Vihikuli Truma, right, give me a Truma, but it has to be Mishiyidveno Libo, Tichu with Truma, so when you give it to me, it has to come from your heart. That's where it has to come from. It has to come from your, from your inner heart. And that's the truma that Hashem really wants. And, and that's a very important thing in everybody's, in every person's relationship is when you give, give because it's the right thing to do. It's actually better for you than the person who's getting. Because when you give, you don't feel like you owe anybody anything. I gave you something. But the person who accepts feels a little bit, oh, he did this for me, I owe him something. So the person who gives is actually getting more than the other person. The other person is getting something, but he's like, oh, now I owe him something. The person who's giving is just the opposite. It's like, I don't owe him anything. I just gave him. So the feeling of the person who's giving is even greater than the person who's taking. So when you give tzedakah, you're getting more out of tzedakah than the guy. The guy who gets tzedakah, he feels, uh, you know, I'm a nebuch, I'm a this, I'm a that. The guy who's giving tzedakah feels like, great. Like, I don't owe him, you know, like, just the opposite. I'm the giver. So the passing by the true way is like Hashem said, but I want yidvena libo in any relationship. You have to have yidvena libo. There has to be this this heart, this this willingness to give, and not these high expectations. You know, I do, I do, I do. No expectations. You know, I had this kid that um, that uh, he was telling they were, they were meeting in front of me, and he was telling his parents, and hey, maybe it's a generation, I don't know. And he's like, he's like, you're my father. It's your job to give me the car. So he told him. He says, what do you mean? You have to give it to me. I'm like, why does he have to give it to you? He's my father. I'm like, why does he have to give it to you? It's my job. It's my father's job. He gave birth to me. He's got to buy me a new iPhone. And he's got to buy me a, 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 a DVD player and, and, and a new car. I said, what do you mean? It's my job. It's his job. I'm like, well, my father never bought any of that for me. I guess he was unemployed. <laughs> guess it wasn't his job. You know, it's your father's job, but it wasn't my father's job. Anyway, so, so, again, these expectations, these expectations, everybody owes us everything. Not at all. Shed Yedven when you, when you have, when you have a marriage, you should be the one that just wants to give. Of course, the other person should also want to give you. 
It's very hard to keep giving, keep giving, keep giving, and, and the other person is not reciprocating. But Lamaisa, the other person doesn't have to reciprocate. You have to feel that you should give. She should feel the same way about you. That's a perfect marriage. But if you're each going tit for tat, you know, I did this for you, you did this for me, I just did it. That's not, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship we have with Akash Barakul. Because I put on tefillin, so now you have to give me a shidduch. I'm putting on tefillin because it's the right thing to do. I'm giving tzedakah because it's the right thing to do. Tzedakah is the one thing that you're allowed to say, Asya, I'm giving in order that I should get. That you're allowed to say, right? Asher teaches Asher. It's the only thing, only when it comes to Tzedakah, but everything else, you can't, you know, you can't have those, those expectations. And the closer a person gets to Akash Baruch Hu, the more you'll see in every step in your life and everything that you do, you'll see God. You'll see kitchens because you sell kitchens. You'll see bags because you sell bags. You'll see Hashem because, you, because that's who you're connected to. You're connected to Hashem. He's in a glass of water. He's in the sun. He's in the sand. He's in the ocean. He's in the human body. He's in the flower. He's in the fruit. He's in the wind. He's in, he's in the breath. He's in the body. He's, in every, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. If you don't want to see him, then you won't see him anywhere. What he is in the times of Mashiach is he goes deeper and deeper into the Nister. If you would have told somebody a hundred years ago that you can go fly forty thousand feet in the air and have and and and, and it's outside it's fifty degrees below zero and inside it's seventy degrees above and you could fly five thousand miles and you could fly from New York to Korea nonstop or you know they would they would tell you only with only if Hashem makes a miracle it has to be a miracle it has to be a miracle it has to be a nace. Today it's not an ace. We get on the plane. I was in the airport. Thousands of people going on this plane, that plane. Everyone's going on a plane. It takes off. You expect it to be in the air. It, 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 it's expectations. There's no God. Nobody sees God in a plane. I was sitting on that plane. I'm like, oh my gosh. That Hashem created the ability for something that heavy to fly. So he had to create gravity in a certain way. That if a wing is shaped a certain way. And there's a certain amount of thrust. That you could go up into the air. If you, if you, if you take a ball, you know, if you take something in a different shape, it's not going to fly. So the aerodynamics in the whole physics, physics world, who created, so you have all these people in physics, right? Who created physics in such a way that there's a possibility that a plane that weighs so much could fly? Who created the world in such a way that there's gravity, that there, you know, all this stuff? Who created electricity, that there's an ability to have electricity? Hashem created this. So that, that's we, that's the basis. And if you understand that, then all of a sudden you see Hashem everywhere instead of not seeing Hashem anywhere. And that's our job in Adar. Adar is a month of Nistar. It's Purim. It's when Hashem is totally hidden. His name is not in the Megillah. His name is nowhere. That's, this is the month where we start to work on finding Hashem, the hidden God. And then once we do that, it takes us to Pesach where we actually see the miracles. So in the schos of working in Adar to find Hashem hidden, in that schos when Nigla says... We would niggle in Mitzrayim, right? In Nisan, we'll be niggle from this, from this, in, in, in Nisan. Also, Mashiach's gonna come in Nisan. What's the schus to bring the niggle? Is finding Hashem in the Nister. He's hiding. We have to go look for him, not go out to lunch. When he's hiding, we have to go look and we have to find him. And if we do that, then Taka Nisan, Nisan will be, will be the niggle when we're going to see Mashiach without trying to find him hidden. He'll be, he'll be revealed. And that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for his revelation. You look for him when he's not revealed, then he'll reveal himself. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.